It's Friday, so we got to overreact about something. And today, we've got a humdinger. Not a lot of answers yet. Lots of questions, but involves Spencer Sanders missing practice. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And thank you for making the Ole Miss Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your morning show for Ole Miss. It means a ton to me. All right. I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, and it's Overreaction Friday. So we are going to be overreacting about something. What we're overreacting about today is the news that Chuck Brownsville put out that Spencer Sanders had to mispractice due to academics. It wasn't because of health. It wasn't because of injury. It was because of external academic type stuff. Now, my theory going into this fall camp, and I have not wavered on it at all, is that Spencer Sanders was going to give it the old college try. But if he was, if it was deemed that he was not going to win the job, since this was the last bullet in his gun, the one opportunity to get what he needs to get, to put some stuff on film, to make the NFL take notice, once it got to the middle of August, it would get really interesting about transfer. It would be something that we need to watch, okay? And right now, this has led this down the road where two scenarios are possible. The first scenario is exactly what I just said. And they're just tra trying to grad transfer. Maybe there's a D1 school outside of the SEC that he wants to go to, something like that. You know, wish him well either way, but wish him well. Um, and that goes into fruition. The other scenario that this could be is not good for winning the starting quarterback job is having to miss practice because there's a problem academically. That's something that not a lot of people are going to pay attention to or think about because honestly, most everybody thinks it's the first one. Now, nobody is going to confirm this either way. Nobody, absolutely no one. And honestly, they probably shouldn't. It's none of our business. But it sounds to me, and this is just a complete guess. It sounds to me like Jackson Dart is the guy moving forward. It's been announced and Spencer Sanders kind of taking care of business and getting his ducks in a row to get out of town so he can still get into some of fall camp to be ready for a first game, whether it's at the FBS level or the FCS level. Now, he could go to an FCS school um, right now. The getting the academics in order, if he was doing that, it was probably because an FBS school is the preferred destination. But I do think that he has been a flight risk the whole time. Once we started hearing rumors about how well Jackson Dart has done, um, it was going to always be hard for Spencer Sanders. I mean, if you listen to this show for any period of time, I've been consistent that whoever wins the starting quarterback job, even when there was going to be a competition, I, th I thought that Walker Howard was going to be the number two. You can go back to February and listen to podcasts where I was saying that. 
And then you have Austin Simmons having a really good camp. And the funny thing is, or maybe not funny, maybe that's a poor choice of words, but one thing that is clear is Spencer Sanders is not having a bad camp. He's actually having a good camp. And this just shows what Jackson Dart brings to the table. This shows what he's honestly up against. Whenever I talked about early in the, um, heck, at the beginning of this, that Jackson Dart was going through a situation similar to Mike Tyson's punch-out for people my age, basically, that played Mike Tyson's punch-out back in the 80s and 90s. And it was the situation where he was at USC and he was competing with Keaton Slovis. And that was like him against Piston Honda. And then last year against Luke Altmaier, it was like him against Bald Bull. And he's been slowly working up the weight classes and ranks to make this job his. And I said earlier in the offseason that I did not know, which it was absolutely possible. Is this the Mike Tyson? Is this the final big bad that he had to face? Or is it Soda Pen? Soda Popinski. And we will see. A lot depends. The important thing for Jackson Dart to do is to win the job now. And like I said, nothing has been announced. Nothing has been guaranteed. We're all reading tea leaves. We're all speculating right now. This is an overreaction episode. So take that with what it's worth. But if Jackson Dart wins this job, what determines of whether or not this was Mike Tyson or Soda Popinski depends on how he does on the field in the fall. If Jackson Dart has a year where he throws for 3,500 yards and 35 touchdowns and five interceptions and goes pro, it was Mike Tyson. It was the big boss. It was, it was the big thing that he needed to get over. If for some reason during the fall, he comes back and he has to do it all over again. And next spring, he's competing with Walker Howard and Austin Simmons. Then it was a Soto Popinski type situation. I, I, like I said, I started hearing probably three months ago, right at the end of spring, that Jackson Dart looked a little bit different. This year is a little bit different. We're going to hear from Charlie Weiss in just a second. Not hear from him. We're going to read um, something that he said. We don't have any actual video clips up. But he had a quote, and we're going to talk a little bit about Pete Golding and how he structures his defense as well in the second segment of the show. But Jack Jackson Dart is the topic of Charlie Weiss Jr. It, that is what was volunteered. And as Ole Miss fans, I think it's at the about you know, if you haven't been rooting for a quarterback like me, and I every time there's a quarterback competition, I tell people not to root. It doesn't seem to work, but I tell people anyway. Um, but the problem is whenever your guy is on the opposite side of it, you can't let that go too far. And and there's some people out there. And through Jackson Dart struggling in the end of last season, the way it went down, they were on Team Luke Altmaier from the beginning. So as soon as they had an opportunity, they were able to say, oh, well, Jackson Dart isn't a good quarterback. And that has permeated. And now the national media has picked up on that. And you have a good bow, bad bow type situation with Jackson Dart. And I never thought I would see that again. I hate it, good bow, bad bow. Good Jackson, bad Jackson is not something I'm looking forward to as a storyline all through the season. But, Jackson Dart apparently is 
pretty significantly in the lead. And we've been talking about this for weeks. You don't take the amount of first-team quarterback reps. And David Eckert, who's going to be on the podcast, we report, recorded it yesterday, but he was he's going to be on Sunday, said that it wasn't 100% where he took 100% reps with the first team. There is like three or four or five percent that he did take with the second team, but it's still a 95 to 5% per, um, ratio. That's not a competition. A competition is 50-50. A competition is 60-40. And you gradually build up the list. That is, it isn't 95-5. If it's 95-5, that's a normal quarterback situation. Getting your back up just a few snaps with the first team to make sure that he's ready to go and there's familiarity there. That's what that is. So we'll see exactly what goes on um, with Jackson Dart. We'll see the quarterback room. And if something happens with Spencer Sanders, you know we're going to react to it. Speaking of react reactions, tomorrow we'll have Michael Katz on the show. We're going to do a reaction episode to the closed scrimmage. Michael Katz is going to be at the scrimmage. We're going to talk to him a little bit as well. So that should be pretty good for anybody involved with um, – Ole Miss football and fans that want to know what's going on. So just to let you know that today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's just the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay's guaranteed fit. You can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Um, just before we get back into it, I think it's announced that like Camarion Franklin is going to announce on the 19th. We're interviewing Brian Smith tomorrow. We talk about this. It's, it's trending Auburn for whatever reason, but I genuinely just don't know which direction it's going to go. I have no idea. Brian doesn't have any idea, and he's really tight with the coaching st staff at Miami. I, I don't know necessarily who knows. All I do know, I think, I think, um, is that this is going to December and maybe even February. This isn't over. And even after he signs, it's not over. Ole Miss will always be a threat. Just ask J.J. Pegues, honestly. Anyway, so today the coordinators met the media for their one time all season. And Charlie Wash Jr. and Pete Golding was up in front of the camera. Pete Golding talked about what brought him to Ole Miss and things like that. And one thing that's interesting to me, this is from – Michael Katz, and learned a little bit about his philosophy. And he wants you to play fast, which we've seen. This, from what this quote is, it reminds me of what they did at UTSA, not so much what they did at Alabama. Adjust based on the personnel you have. 
that also goes for his scheme. For instance, you, what you see front-wise might change on a weekly basis based on opposition. Okay, we've talked about this, um, honestly, ad nauseum for six months. Ole Miss does not run a four-man th front. Ole Miss does not run a three-man front. Ole Miss runs a hybrid front where a player can be an outside linebacker or a defensive end, depending on the need. And you need to understand what that looks like. That doesn't mean that when line up at a three-man front, that's a mistake. That doesn't mean when they line up at a four-man front, that's a mistake. No, it's going to be scheme-based based off of who they're playing. So, for instance, when they play against Alabama with Tommy Reese as offensive coordinator, he does a lot of the stuff that Notre Dame does, inline tight ends, where they have two and three deep at that position. They got the kid from Maryland, the tight end, transfer in. Um, I think we were in on him for about a second in December. So you see that. Ole Miss is probably going to be lining up on a four-man front that week because you need to match up with six in-line offensive linemen because those um, offensive linemen can block. They can do those jobs. So in order for it not to become a physics problem that we went through last year, you need to be in a position to fight that as best you can. So the best way to do that would be a four-man front. You want some size up front to keep people off of your linebackers, especially when our linebackers are not so big. But on the flip side, when Ole Miss would play, let's say, Tennessee, to where they're throwing the ball over the field, and Tennessee, I know, likes to run the ball. They do a lot of the same stuff that Ole Miss does. But you want a lot of speed and be able to handle RPOs Maybe that jack position does a little bit of covering, a little bit off the line of scrimmage type stuff. And if you do that, you'd be in a better position to win. Now, we talked about a couple of times, Pete Golding, whenever you had a breakdown of his defense, he will do whatever he takes to win the game, whatever he takes to win this, um, the football game. And, and in a situation similar uh, would be like the major league ground ball pitcher, like Jason Foley with the Detroit Tigers. He has an enormously high ground ball percentage. He has a 99-per-hour fastball, 99-miles-per-hour fastball. He's a really good people person. But occasionally, those ground balls can find holes. Ground balls with eyes exist. And that he might blow a save here or there or blow an inning here or there. That doesn't mean he's a bad coach. That just means the other team just kind of got him. So – Pete Golding, in some ways, can do whatever he thinks is necessary to win the game, but it could also backfire in, um, intently. And it was every now and then could get him real similar to what LSU did against Alabama last season. Now, we also want to talk about Charlie Weiss Jr., and this is a Jackson Dart-related topic. Um, it's from David Eckert from the Clarion Ledger. He's going to be on the show Sunday morning. Um, Charlie Weiss is speaking to us today on Jackson Dart. Jackson is so much further along at this point than he was last year. Said people underestimate the year of, and the system can have with timing and footwork. It, it's it's a major deal. It's it's a big story that Ole Miss is going through this year, and I don't think people are ready for what Jackson Dart is going to be when the lights come on against Mercer. I don't know if people are ready for that. I don't know if people can understand exactly what might happen this season. It, it, it's really a really a good thing for almost football. Like I said, the overreaction, you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm kind of really overreacting to that, um, which is kind of fun indeed. So we'll see everything that happens. 
I do want to thank everybody for tuning into the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. We're um, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, Michael Katz. Um, he is going to be at the closed scrimmage. We're going to talk to him what he saw in the closed scrimmage. And we're also going to have an idea, like with David Eckert, he's going to be around Sunday morning. We're going to have Tom Vanderford Sunday night. Brad and Logan um, is tonight to go. We're going to probably delay that to about 9 o'clock, maybe 10 o'clock, just to get this video in. And then tomorrow we'll react to that scrimmage as well. So we, we've got a busy weekend again um, at Locked On Ole Miss. It's Ole Miss every day. It's a lifestyle. I, I'm not even joking about that. And we do want to thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your Ole Miss morning show. That means an absolute ton. So thank you very much. And we will see you tomorrow. Hotty toddy.